Good morning on this Friday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. This day is actually uh, the day that winds up being Christmas Eve. And then on Saturday will be Christmas. So, wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas. We left off yesterday talking about inheritance. The inheritance that Jesus acquired for us. It was given to him because of having conquered It was given to him for being the rightful son of the living God. It was given to him because he earned it. It says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 24, Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, for serving him we will be rewarded, compensated on how we have served him. Everything is his, and he is more than willing to share with us so that we can become co-heirs with him. Hebrews 1.4 says, Being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And Hebrews 9.15 says, And for this cause... He is the mediator of the new covenant that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant or testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. That was one thing I had made mention yesterday that our inheritance is an eternal inheritance. It will be from ages, throughout ages, throughout ages. We can once again go back and learn from our past, uh, meaning the Hebrew people when they came up out of Egypt, and we can learn in our present state of being how God provides, how God supplies. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And by having done so, He has made plans for us to be just as they were, to be blessed. Let's take the example of the crossing of the Red Sea. God's provision to make a way where there seems to be no way. Whether it's in the desert or whether it's in the sea, the scripture actually gives us the source of where the blessings all truly come from. Considering the magnitude and the scope of the miracle of the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea, if 600,000 men, just the men, left Egypt, according to the scripture in Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, verse 37 and 38, if just taking that into consideration, the, the calculated estimate that some have done concerning this is that they were roughly a massive amount of people that wound up crossing the the amount of people is actually staggering to to see that amount of people uh, one would consider, wow, the, uh, how did they manage to do, how did they manage to even organize and, and accomplish the things that they were doing? But 
As I said, reading in the book of uh, Exodus, in uh, chapter number 12, see if I can get this computer here to do that. Okay, well, for some reason it keeps skipping it. But if we were reading in the scripture, this is what it would say. According to the number of people that left Israel, Exodus chapter uh, 12, verse number 37. And the children of Israel journeyed from Remesis to Sukloth, about 600,000 on foot that were men. Besides the children, and we have to consider besides the women also, and a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks, and herds, even very much cattle. So when you stop and think about that, the people of Israel, I mean, just consider uh, Jacob. He had 12 sons. And then, of course, he had the, the daughter. That, that was just one man. But if, if we were to westernize this and just go with two children per family or per men, per individual, and we were to go uh, one wife uh, for that, some estimates calculate that there was as many as 2.5 million to as many as 3 million individuals not counting all the herds, counting all the animals. I mean, that would be the equivalent of a massive large city. I'm not sure what the population of Los Angeles is or, or Chicago or Houston. But if you stop and think of a city that has 2.5 million or even, let's say, 3 million, and, 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 and let's try to do an exodus of that city. Let's say there's going to be a hurricane something. And you were going to evacuate the entire city. All these people in cars. They're going on a two-lane highway. The cars are bumper to bumper. It would take a good part of the entire day, if not the entire day or more, to get all these people out of the city. Now stop and think that they also had cattle, they had sheep, they had animals with them. And then, of course, the mixed multitude consisting of Egyptians and uh, other people that left Egypt during that time. So it's a very, very large amount of people. Now think of them trying to cross the Red Sea in groups of, let's say, even if it was 20 people wide. It would take them weeks to cross in daylight from one side to the other. So it is calculated by some that have done calculations, and I was actually trying to do some calculations myself. If you had a, a section that was five miles wide of the Red Sea and 5,000 people with arm length, let's say to the next person, crossing at the same time, you could, in a 12-hour period, get theoretically all those people to cross the Red Sea. But it would have to be an opening that is five miles 
wide and about 5,000 people from shoulder to shoulder or from, uh, let's say, uh, arm length to arm length. So that would be about six feet apart. And then behind them, another 5,000 and then another 5,000 and another 5,000. And somewhere along there, you've got to get all their herds and animals to do it in a 24-hour period. The, the, the greatness, the massive size of the miracle is nothing like what they show on the movie, uh, The Ten Commandments, where maybe it was opened up maybe 100 feet, maybe even 200 feet as the people are actually looking at the walls from one side. This thing would be so massive, so great, that it would be astounding. But that would be the only way that you could get that amount of people across that section of dry ground to the other side and yet still have enough daylight to cross. And then, of course, you've got the Egyptians with all their chariots and everything also uh, that are going to be following behind. So it's a massive, massive, massive miracle. But if we start reading in the book of Exodus in chapter 14, the, the scripture begins to show us. It says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Peorah, between Migdol and the sea, over against Belzephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. And Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. In other words, they've got no way out. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and that they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt, that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariots, and he took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, the captains over every one of them, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all. And the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh and the horsemen and his armies overtook them. Encamping by the sea besides Peora before Bel Siphon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there was not enough graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not this, the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now here, 
They're literally prophesying something that hasn't happened yet. Just because they're being chased down does not mean that they're going to die. But yet, they're calling things that are not as though they were. All of this time, God is the one that is in control, bringing them to them. To demonstrate to them His greatness. His provision of protection. His provision of security. His provision of caring for the people. This is for an, an entire nation that has just come out. In verse number 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation, see the deliverance of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Now Moses is prophesying. He's calling things that are not as though they were. He counters what they had said with something that is even greater. And then it says in verse 14, And the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Notice, he tells them exactly where their salvation is coming from. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Well, remember, the sea is right in front of them. But lift up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. See, right here, we know that the sea is divided, but we're not told how wide it's divided. But for that amount of people that we speculated for them to go through, it was going to have to be, even, even people going to a football game or a baseball game, a huge stadium, even to be able to exit out of there was, let's say, one person in a car or even three, four, five people in a vehicle. Uh, it takes a, a good amount of time. Well, multiply that amount by millions. So it has got to be something spectacular. It has to be something grandeur. That, that God is accomplishing. If he can do that on that scale, he can definitely do it on a smaller scale. Exodus fourteen sixteen. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now you would think that after having seen it was in some little path, you know, that was just wide enough for one person to go through. But it had to be wide enough for all this massive amount of people to be able to, in a 12-hour period, while it's still daylight, to be able to cross. Well, having accomplished this miraculous task, we're going to continue. Join us on Saturday. As we continue with Exodus 14, 17 onward to see what God accomplishes. And in accomplishing this miracle, he provides for another miracle that they are going to need. So in other words, God's preparation of having done one thing was just to get them prepared to be able to accomplish something later in the future. Well, our time is just about up. Keep looking up. Our redemption draweth nigh. The Lord richly bless you until we meet again on Saturday. In Jesus' name, amen.